So we're continuing on. Okay, so we're dealing with sanctification. Again, a form of salvation, actually before salvation. So God calls the person out and they have to respond. And we call that repentance too. They turn their back on their life and the devils and they turn toward the Lord. Then they can confess and believe because they've done what they were told to do. That's the separation he's talking about. Uh, In the Old Testament, when priests were called to their duties, they were called out of the world. They were not going to be common Israelites. They were going to be serving the Lord as priests. And so blood and oil were placed on their right thumb and their right toe and their right ear, and then they were consecrated. See, they came out, and now he's dedicating them to his service. That's consecration. So that's what happens when a person's truly born again. They repent, they turn, immediately the termination, I'm going to follow the Lord and stop my sinful life, and they turn to the Lord, and he empowers them and enters them and cleanses them from all unrighteousness. So, But God begins all of these things. There's where the grace of God comes. But we can't put everything on God to excuse a man's actions. So when people talk about it's all grace and it's all, no, it's not. That's a lying gospel. We're under probation. We have to respond, and God expects us. Now, the foundation of Christianity and the main doctrines in Hebrews 6, one of them was what? It said, laying this foundation, it should always stay laid if you come to the Lord, repentance from dead works. So if you're not repenting from dead works and coming to the Lord, you're not a Christian. I don't care what you believe and what you confess. You've not done it right. And a lot of people just believe the Lord, uh, just confess the sin. Oh, and they confess it and they continue in it. They're not Christians. And that's why Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. You didn't fulfill it. You just were a lopsided gospel, which is a false gospel. Repentance from dead works. And then he says, and faith toward God. Then we have faith in God and Christ to save us, to cleanse us, and to empower us because we've done what he said. He cannot enter the temple that's filthy and unrighteous. It has to consent to him so he will cleanse it. And that's a part of repentance. You stop your, you do your part and he does his. He says, oh, they've turned their back on the world and they've focused on me now. So I'll remove their past sins and I will enter them and empower them to live in me. They'll be my temple. Otherwise, they can't be the temple of the Lord, okay? Now we go back to verse 1. We spent a lot of time on half the lesson, but that's okay. We have done, okay? So when he says here, we learn to walk and please God, and we see this in you, okay? So we're telling you how you do live, how do you please God? Well, John says, We please God by keeping his commandments and doing those things that please him. So if you're living in sin and gross sin or rebellion, you're not pleasing God. And he's not required to answer any prayer. So he doesn't hear the prayer. People think, oh, he'll, you know, well, go back to scripture. If you're walking in sin and you know it, don't be bothering God about request. That insults him. The sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination. It means he hates it. 
under Ezekiel, they were going through the priesthood and singing beautiful songs, and they made a worship all music like they do today, beautiful music and singing. And he said, I hate your instruments and I hate your singing. See, it don't, it don't appeal to him. They're all doing, today you have all these people with the beautiful, they're singing to entertain themselves. They're not worshiping God because their heart ain't changed. And they leave and they feel good. They think, oh, I've been in God's presence. No, you were just given to humanism and emotionalism. Had nothing to do with spiritual things. So they because they feel good, it had to be God. Well, there's the pleasures of sin for a season. And then the person's going to hell. So a lot of people find pleasure in false worship. That's what it is, false worship. Okay, Verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus or through him. Okay? So he said, when we give you these commandments, he's not talking about just the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the lifestyle of what God expects a Christian that's living in holiness to live and to do and not to do. So he said, we gave you them and now we're giving you more. Okay? So we're giving you commandments, teachings, and exhortations from the Lord. Now, he understood the Jewish converts and people, they had the law and Moses. They knew a lot of these things, but the Gentiles didn't. All they knew was when they repented, they were cleansed of their sin and they were supposed to live right. And now he's going to give them further instruction of what God wants and how they're to live. And that's why he teach them these things, okay? Now, verse 3 is important scripture, misguided scripture too. So he's saying, okay, this is the exhortation and exhortation and the command that the Lord wants us to give you, that this is the will of God. If you don't do the will of God, you cannot please God. That's what he's saying. If you don't do the will of God, you're an enemy of the Lord. That's what the scripture says also, okay? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Now the people, again, they pervert the scripture to think this is besides getting saved. No, it's a part of. He's explained to you, you got Christ in you now, but you don't understand what you should do and not do. You're a baby Christian. So we're going to enlighten you. You're used to living in a society of all kinds of perversions and immorality, the Romans, the Greeks, all of your God, and you basically were so hard, you didn't see nothing wrong with all these perverse things. But we're going to tell you God's a holy God, and he ain't going to put up with this. And he expects you to stop that. So see, he's making it plain. You don't have to guess, and we're enlightening your conscience about this. And that is, he says, this is the sanctification. He's talking about a particular case now. He's not talking about the overall sanctification. Well, here he's talking about you're coming out and you're living for him out of the world. And that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. That was the main focus of the Gentile world and the Gentile religion. That what's led Israel under the Old Testament to be destroyed many times, a generation by God. That's why God killed 20-some thousand of them when Moses came down from the mountain. They got tired and they said, well, we'll form our own God. And, and they started drinking and, and committing fornication out in the open and dancing uh, naked. And God killed 20-some thousand of them. Uh-huh. That's what he did. He didn't like it. Rebellion and, and sexual fornications will bring God's judgment. Idolatry and fornications and stuff 
that's where God acts the quickest. And he always did with Israel when they went in to those areas. So he's saying, God wants you called out from the world. He wants you sanctified. Now that you've been cleansed of all these things, you're not to go back to them. You're to be separate from the world. You're to be a holy people because you have Christ in you and he's holy, harmless, undefiled. And if you start living that way, he's going to leave the temple. That's what he's telling them. See, they're still under probation, okay? And we'll spend time here. So it's not a new command he's given them. He's telling them the will of God for all of his children that you live a life abstaining from impurity, uncleanness, sexual immorality. That was the main devices of the unsaved Gentile world. That's why the Jews mingled with the other nations. It was strictly, mostly over sex, over immorality. They wanted to have fun and pleasure, and they didn't want to stay holy too long, see? And that's why God judged them. Twice he told Moses, stand aside, and I'll kill all of them, and I'll start over with you. Well, he did move Moses down to see, but he did mean it. God doesn't threaten that he don't mean it. But he knew Moses would do certain things, but he did kill them. And when they disobeyed him over the manor and complained, the strongest ones and the, the big mouths ones of them, the leaders, they were killed by the Lord. See, he got tired of it. Mm-hmm. They started complaining. Oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Well, the fools, they were slaves and beaten and abused. But you know what they missed? They missed the onions and the cucumber. Can you imagine that? Onions, and, well, I like onions and cucumber. They lost their soul over it because God struck them dead. They're going to end up in the lake of fire at the final judgment. Mm-hmm. All over cucumbers and garlic. And he said, I was disciplining you and training you. And they wouldn't have it. See, that's why. That was the purpose of it. And they didn't learn. Stephen said, you were always a stiff-necked and rebellious people. And that was true. Okay. So the Christian cannot live in immorality, in impureness, and unclean. The only sexual relation sanctioned by Christians is the marriage bond. And he's talking about a man and a woman. Well, regardless of what people say, God made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam and Steve to be a couple. These, them, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bestiality, all of these forms are perverse, immoral, unholy, and they'll get you into hell. So he's warning the Christian. Even the ones that didn't marry, he expects them to be pure and not to give in to them. But see, this is so common in their cultures. They had those kind of churches everywhere, idolatrous religions. And they had male and female prostitutes and enticing them like they do down the bad sections of town. The guys go out there and tell you, come in and see our whores. And, you know, they solicit you. Well, they were doing the same thing. And that's how they got a lot of followers. They made religion fun and dirty for them. And they liked that because they were corrupt. And God said, I'm holy and I don't put up with that. And he's not going to change for anybody. And he's not going to give free one-sided religion and once saved, always saved. They're led by the devil, and they're going to get the devils in. Okay? So to the elect, Christian, who used the word elect, 
they're elected by responding to the call of the gospel. God's foreknowledge pre-planned that salvation would be through his son. It has nothing to do with pre-planning an individual's uh, whether they're going to heaven or hell before they're born. A doctrine of the devil. Okay? Makes God a monster. And they're perverse intellectuals that come up with that because the devil inspires them. Okay? So the true olive tree, he cut them off as a whole because they did not continue. And we were added to Gentiles. And he also said later, and if you don't continue in God's goodness, you can be cut off. So he didn't mince no words. You don't find no once saved, always saved there. Uh The olive tree will have the branches. And if they don't conform, they'll be cut off. If they don't bear fruit and the life of Christ and his will, the branch is cut off and burned. And branches can be added and taken away under the old and the new. Okay? But the church and the vine will go on. That's what God predestined. I'm going to have a people. Well, the true church only has to have two, two or three people praying. Didn't talk about a building. I didn't have buildings till the third century. People met in each other's house or down at the river. They never sanctioned a building. But as people started to get more into falseness, they like to build things. And when the Real Christian leaves the building. The building is no different than a cesspool. It has no holiness, has no value, because that doesn't happen in a new covenant. Things are, objects are not sanctified like under the law for the temple. And that was a schoolmaster. And Christ came down in the Holy of Holies. Now he lives in the Christian spirit as the Holy of Holies. And only Christians have him. And so if they decide to meet in a junkyard, then that's the place where the church is. But all these Ephesus and all that don't mean nothing to God. It's what the people do that are really Christians. Wherever they meet is the Spirit of God is there. Okay. So the new man comes because Christ cleanses the human spirit and it makes them conformable to him and he dwells with them. But he can sin. You notice the verse we just read said, cleansing yourselves from all flesh and spirit. Isn't it interesting? Uh, the one saved always people said, well, your spirit can't sin. It's born again. Well, this scripture did say that. said you can cleanse your spirit. If you have to cleanse your spirit, that means there's sin there. They like to skip over that scripture because it don't fit their theology or their false teaching. Okay, So the spirit, by sanctification... He does the work before he saves the person. So uh, let's not think it's after. So when people say it's the second work of grace, well, you're ignorant. And as James says, you're foolish and you shouldn't be a teacher. <laughs> That's what I find funny is James, after he's three times basically says faith without works. He meant spiritual works and fruit is dead. And then immediately when he finishes, he goes on and he says, and I'm not many of you should become teachers because we shall receive the greater judgment. He's saying, why? Because you're teaching stupid stuff. He called them fools. You're teaching faith without works, faith with no fruit, with no spirit, no proof. That's what he was saying. And he said it leads to death. It's false. So he doesn't mince any words with them. And he says that if you don't know scripture, you shouldn't teach. Because you're going to be strictly judgment, and especially if you're teaching false doctrine, you're going to come under a greater judgment. 
He warned the false teachers they're going to receive the punishments that the hypocrite does for leading many people astray. And they're responsible. Don't feel sorry for them. People are led astray because they don't want the truth or they want to continue in their sins. They're not honest. And Jesus said, leave them alone. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall in a ditch. And sometimes you have to do that. You don't mess with certain people. They've been warned enough and the Lord didn't mess with them. Okay, They still have enough knowledge to consider things and they haven't used it. And so then we go to Revelation. We are the elect. Yeah, we elect to stay with the Lord. We weren't elected before we were saved. The church and the formation of God's salvation it was what God preplanned. He was slain, Christ, before the foundation of the world. God's plan was in effect, okay, or what he would do when certain things happened. Okay, Revelation 17, 14. Now these will make war with the Lamb at the end of the thousand-year reign. They will, the nations will turn against Christ. And the Lamb will overcome them. That's Jesus Christ. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. They're called to the gospel. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called and come under conviction, but most of them reject the gospel. Jesus told us that would happen. They love darkness rather than light. And so when they see the light, they avoid it. They have the ability to come to it, but they won't do it. So they're responsible, okay? They're chosen when they choose the Lord, when they choose Christ's righteousness and lay aside their own self-righteousness. And it says, and they're faithful. So if a person's called and chosen, he has to prove it by being faithful. He must follow the Lord. And if you're not called, chosen, and faithful, you're not going to be with the Lord. And that applies anywhere, okay? And so that, we see, is God's Word. That's walking in sanctification. Verse 4, not only are you to abstain, verse 3, from sexual immorality, you're to walk in that form of holiness. You cannot be holy living in sexual immorality. Don't matter what it is. Paul said, if you practice these things, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. So he warns the carnal Christian. Oh yeah, most carnal Christians, they start off ignorant and babes, but they're not involved in gross sin. They misunderstand, they think it's natural. They have favorites. They like this, they like because they're not real spiritual. But if they're involved in gross sin, they won't be a carnal Christian long. They'll be a lost Christian because you don't find that in Scripture. To be carnal-minded leads to death. So Paul talks about two forms of carnality. And so everybody thinks, oh, the carnal Christian, he's just going to lose his work. No, that's false doctrine. If he stays in his carnality and refuses to be instructed, he'll be cut off eventually. But God deals with him at those levels. Like Hebrews says, you need the milk of the word again because you can't discern between good and evil. A spiritual person can learn to discern between good and evil. Now he's talking about the practical. A lot of natural things have no spiritual value. So baby, that's why you don't make a novice and give him a place of authority. It puffs him up with pride. He hasn't dealt with these things yet. And it says he'll be condemned. He'll be judged because of his arrogance 
and he thinks he's special because he hasn't really dealt with holiness or the Lord. People who want authority usually don't deserve authority. People who love the limelight, they are subject to false doctrines and the flattery of men, okay? That each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel. Who? You. We didn't say God. That you should know how to control your body and mind. That's the vessel. That's the vessel of the Christian. In sanctification and honor. See, that's what he expects of all Christians. You should know how to keep your body, soul, and spirit. That's you. That's your personality. That's walking and living in the spirit and pleasing God in holiness and honor. And it's not a position in Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. I get sick of hearing, and it's a good scripture, but it's so misapplied. They use it to excuse their sins. Oh, we're seated with Christ in heavenly place. You're not seated with Christ if you're committing adultery. And when the Lord comes, you're going to be left. And I've heard Christians say, well, you're saved. You'll still go. I'm sure the Lord's going to rapture that person while he's committing fornication. I'd say he's a stupid God. He don't know much about holiness. No, they believe their lies, and it's going to damn them. See, they love their sins, but they have think they have assurance. They have false assurance, okay? So that's walking and living in the Spirit. Like he said, you're bought with the price. And so if you don't do the will and word of God, he don't accept you as his. He don't, he don't care about uh, The last of the parables, after he taught many of them to disciples, he said, did you understand what I was telling you? And they said, yeah. He said, well, happy are you if you do it. And then he proceeds with the last one. He said, if you build and not on my word and you don't practice the word, he says, you're building on sand. And when the storm comes, it will crash and great will be the fall of that spiritual house. I mean, it won't last. He said, but if you do the words I'm telling you, you work it out, you practice it. He says, you'll build on a rock and the wind will not destroy that house. So he made it very plain. You can hear all you want, or you're going to do it. And most people do not do it, do they? Okay. Okay, so not only do you walk in sanctification, honor, so you're not to walk in lustful passion. And he says, like the Gentiles who do not know God. So he knew the world was under the power of the devil. And they loved the pleasures of sin for a season. And they different levels of mischief and murder and all kinds of, and it's their corrupt nature being inspired by demons. But they're still responsible, okay? And he said, so watch it. So like I say, there's no place in Scripture that sexual relationships are only sanctified, set apart, that's what it means, in marriage. Transgression means you have a law, and when you pass this point, You've transgressed the law. So if you have sex in marriage, that's the Bible says it's holy and it's commendable. But if you do it with another person, you've entered into sin, it'll send you to hell. Yeah. That's how serious God. And then he goes a step further. Not only will you possess yourself, but he said, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. See? So he's saying, if you know God, you have to be holy. Well, you don't hear much of that today. You hear a lot of excuses and grace and faith 
in Christ, they don't have to do anything. It's all grace. Well, when they weep and wail in hell, they'll understand it wasn't that God expected a little more from them, okay? So if you do not live right with God, if you are coveting and selfish, and by the way, I keep reminding you, coveting is greed, usually for money and position. Paul says covetousness is idolatry. He calls it, he says, and you know no idolatry will enter heaven, will inherit heaven. God hated. It's the worship of something besides him. It's loving his gifts and blessings before him and perverting them. That's what people do. He made sex and relations for the marriage only. And yet look how it's perverted all over the world, of fornicating, adulterous. The Bible says it'll be like Sodom and Gomorrah as we get to the end. It'll be a Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, only one person was saved, Lot. His daughters got in because they obeyed their father. The wife didn't get in because she disobeyed the angel. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's how it's going to be in the end. So if you're not holy and you don't practically follow the Lord, oh, I've had people tell me in counseling, I almost laugh in the face. And they really mean it. Some of them are young and I think, you stupid. They said, well, we know we shouldn't fornicate, but me and my girlfriend, we pray before we do it. I thought, if you knew what you were saying, God strike you both dead, send you to hell now, that you blaspheme God, you add cursing. You think God's pleased with that? You sit there and say, now forgive me, Lord, because I'm going to sin against you. That's a corrupt form of the devil inspiring people, okay? And that blinds them to the truth. They think they're going to get away with it. So before we close, we're going to go to two scriptures. One of them you know very well, if you've listened to me. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? Because if you don't, you're going to hell. You're God's enemy. And you're responsible for being spiritual. And you're responsible for walking in holiness. God doesn't say, I'm going to do this. He says, I'll help you. The Holy Spirit's the helper. He's not the doer. He can't do without the person's consent. He does choose not to. Okay. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's the work. That word there, to do, means work. So he's both, he forms the will and the work. What is the will? It's the new man. It doesn't mean he overrides the human will. The new man wants to do God's will, delights in the things, but still, the real you, the personality has to consent to it. You can yield to it or you cannot yield to it. And that's never taken away from anyone. And one more, go to Hebrews again. Chapter 13, 21, says, I may the Lord of peace, that's the verse before, make you complete, mature in every good work. He doesn't talk about grace or faith. To do his will, okay? You're to work his will. It didn't say you believe his will. Working in you. Okay, or working in us. So God is working. He's helping us, the Spirit's the helper, 
to do that which is well-pleasing in his sight. What's well-pleasing? To remain holy, to walk in holiness, to keep his commandments, and he helps us do it if we have a determination to follow him. And then when the devil comes, we get the power to resist him. But we have to do the resisting. In the sight, and it says it's done through Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Christ in us gives us, he is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, it says Jesus is the Spirit. You know, he's in them. And, and that's what he's doing. So both of these, if you read these scriptures, a lot of responsibility is put on the Christian. It's not put on God. There's never a problem on God's side. It's the problem, are you going to yield to God? That's the problem people have. And sometimes they're tempted not to. And if they rebel long enough, they're deceived. Or God punishes them. And if they don't respond properly, then as the psalmist said, or the proverb, he that is often reproved stiffens his neck. It means he's willful and stubborn against the Lord. See, he won't conform. He won't give in. He still wants to do what he wants to do. Uh-huh. I've met people like that. They rarely talk about their sins. They rarely confess their sins because they're so righteous, stubborn, and willful. And they can be fooled at the day of judgment. Bible says, confess your faults one to another. He's talking about Christians. Didn't say to hide and cover up certain things. If your faults are affecting people, then you need to deal with them and ask for prayer. But some people are too arrogant and stubborn, and they're too pride. They think they're better than they are, but they aren't. Stubborn and willfulness will send people to hell like it did King Saul. He ain't changed. That's what sent him to hell. So he that is often reproved hardens his neck. He stands up and resists the Lord's dealing and resists the Lord's spirit. That's insulting. He said he will be cut off and that without remedy. It means after a while, God says, okay, he don't want to conform and he can judge him when he sees fit. Or, and God's judgment for most people, even false teachers and false Christians, he don't strike them dead from heaven. You know what he does? Peter and Jude says, swift destruction. They're unsaved in a moment. He's tested them, watched them. He removes Christ from them. He said, I beheld the devil, Jesus said, fall like lightning from heaven. In one instance, once the trial was over, wasn't even a split second, a third of the angels became devils, and everything in them that was of God was removed, and they found themselves with no peace, with misery, tormented their mind. And then they know the lake of fire is waiting for them at the end. They're in bonds of darkness because everything of God was removed. They couldn't be good anymore. That was the pun. And it happened in a split second. So when people backslide, there comes a time when the Lord spirit departs. Oh, most of them don't know it because they're mixing their religion. They still go to church and they give and they're teachers and preachers. Well, most preachers and teachers in our denominations are on the way to hell. They're children of the devil. Oh, they may teach some right theology or word. Lifestyle proves they're not led of the Lord nor obeying him. Okay, so the responsibility of fear and trembling is you do it. Because if you don't, Set your vessel apart to serve the Lord, you'll go to hell. 
He don't make no bones about it. But he doesn't harp on it. Jesus spoke more about the lake of fire and hell than any of the apostles did. Out of the 39 or 40 parables, 25% of them, a fourth of them, have to do with hell or judgment of God on the wicked person. Okay? And some of the parables speak of the ones who were once righteous, like the foolish virgins. And then he didn't deal with them anymore. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to apply your word in a daily manner and that we guard ourselves from uncleanness and impurity and coveting. We guard ourselves from the pride of life and wanting to be seen and popular. And that's, John said, that's of the world and the love of the Father is not in that person. So we see much that is done in God's name and Christ's name is not of him. Give us grace to see the difference and to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.